This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is Baldy's Breakdowns, the podcast, a radio.com sports original. Welcome to episode number eight of Baldy's Breakdowns. We are just a week away from the NFL draft. Baldy, how you doing? You're coming live from Fort Lauderdale and sunny Florida. Yeah, well, you got a bunker somewhere, right, Jason? So, you know, I'm following all the restrictions here. I'd rather do it in a place where, you know, when the sun comes up at uh, basically 7 o'clock every morning, it, it feels like it's 80 degrees already. So, um, you know, I, 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 I like working in training camp type heat, Jason. I, yeah. My body just performs better. Well, you're doing two-a-days down there, too. Padded, hitting two-a-days. I'm kind of following the new rules on, on hitting. So, I've kind of restricted the hitting right now, but a lot of conditioning – a lot of sweat, and, uh, you know, look, body fat is a silent killer in this world, man. It ain't going to get me. Yeah, well, you're doing good work down there. Um, this is a Baldy's Breakdown episode. We had Charles Davis the other day, gave us great knowledge on the draft and his insight and, you know, some nuggets for us. But today, we really break down this draft, Baldy, and we're going to go to the offensive side of the ball uh, for this episode. Episode 9 will focus on the defensive side of the ball and this is where, you know, the videos that you do on Twitter and all the knowledge that you bring on your various different platforms really comes to life for people. And this is a great episode for people to listen to, because if you want to sound like usually, usually I say, if you want to sound like, you know what you're talking about around the water cooler, nobody's at the water cooler now. But uh, when you communicate via Zoom or you're, you're texting with your friends, this is the episode to listen to because you're going to drop a lot of knowledge here. So let's get right to the business, Baldy. Uh, the offensive side of the ball draft is a week away. When we talk to Charles Davis, and we all know from past experience that quarterbacks drive the draft. So let's start. We know Joe Burrow's going number one. Will Tua or Justin Herbert be drafted next? And which team may take either Tua or Herbert in this draft? Well, I think right now that Tua is still going to go number two. I said way back when, when people started talking about this draft, that it was going to go one Burrow and two Tua. Now, I don't know that anybody is going to trade with Washington to get to number two to take to it. Not with the reports that are out about his physical condition. Nick Saban came on 
uh, this week and talked about the competitor coming back from injuries, the two ankle sprains, the dislocated hip, the whole thing, and said that injuries happen and you recover. But I, I still believe that Miami is going to take Tua. Whether they have to take him at number five or they have to trade up to ensure that they get him, he's just an elite prospect. The, the injuries are a concern. I saw where Bucky Brooks dropped him down to number nine, and they had Justin Herbert uh, going number five. But if I watch Justin Herbert, he doesn't look like Tua to me. He, he doesn't have the athletic ability. He doesn't have the arm strength. He doesn't have the ability to go through progressions and create the way Tua does. I mean, we're talking about, I think, a different level quarterback. And why would you settle for a different level quarterback just because of an injury concern? I understand. So either you like him or you don't like him. That's all there is to it. I mean, if you if you like him enough at at nine why or, or 10 or 11, why wouldn't you like him at five? Um, to me, that's how I look at it. I, I still think he's the second best quarterback. And, you know, without the ability to go in there and MRI him and test him and, you know, put up, put him in a body cast and say, all right, you're, you're not allowed to get hurt anymore. I mean, everybody gets hurt. You know, how fast can you come back from it? Baldy, what are the strengths of Justin Herbert? What's he going to bring to the NFL? Well, he's got elite size and he's played a lot of games. I mean, Justin Herbert now has played over 40 games at uh, at Oregon. You know, he was not a highly recruited kid right there from uh, not far from Outson Stadium, uh, kind of a self-made guy. But, you know, he's got tremendous size. And when you look at him, he's got, you know, he's got a good release. He's got a lot of experience. I mean, he's, he's over six foot six. He's 230 pounds. He, you know, he, he started 42 games. Um, you know, he ran for 13 touchdowns. He's not uh, uh, just a wooden silo back there. But I do think that he, he, when the play breaks down and you've got to go beyond the X's and O's and beyond flanker drive, Y stick, and some basic concepts, I think he gets a little frozen there. And that's what I see from him. I don't see a really a, a guy that can create offense when things are taken away. Your receiver falls down. You're going up against, uh, you know, Darius Slay Jr. And he's shutting down your number one receiver and your number two, you know, receiver can't get off the line of scrimmage. Uh, what do you do? Like, I don't see that ability in him. Baldy, beyond the injury concerns with Tua, what's the breakdown? What did her, his mechanics look like to you? His, uh, you know, ability to read plays down the field, to adjust, to look off receiver or look off cornerbacks, those kind of things. Well, look, if it wasn't for the injuries, I'd have him, I'd have him right next to Joe Burrow. I wouldn't have Burrow over him because he could do the same thing. He sees the field exceptionally well. I mean, we, we've never seen what happened in the second half of the national championship game three years ago. We, we never saw a guy come off the bench and not play and play at that level and win the game. I mean, that's who he is. Like, he's got, he's got big stones. He has no fear. But, look, Drew Brees is almost in a category by himself when it comes to footwork. When you watch Tua's footwork, he reminds you of – I mean, he's young, but he reminds you of Drew Brees, the way he can reset his feet. He goes through his progressions like a Ginsu knife. Like, he, he really reads defense as well. And when he needs an extra tick in order to get to that third read, he knows how to buy that third – the third, 
you know, you know, he knows how to get to that third one by buying time. And that's what Nick Saban was saying this week. He was like, he gets himself into trouble when he doesn't know when the play is over. He tries to make something out of every play. He's not the first guy to have to learn that. Uh, I thought Carson Wentz, you know, has had to learn that in Philadelphia. I thought he he was guilty of that at North Dakota State and still is guilty of it right now um, in some of the hits that he takes. It's a difficult thing for a lot of guys to learn when to get rid of the football before, um, you know, some damage or, you know, uh, the, the type of hits that you take that get you hurt. It's a difficult thing to learn for a lot of guys. Let's stay at the quarterback position real quick. Jordan Love, where do you think he lands? And is there a guy that's, you know, an undervalued quarterback that no one's really talking about, you know, in the top of this draft, a, a guy that could go that you go, man, this is – people are overlooking this quarterback. He, he's just built for the NFL to make that jump, but he doesn't have, you know, the same splash, if you will, of Tua, Herbert, or, or even obviously Joe Burrow. Yeah, well, look, Jordan Love is a fantastic athlete. You know, he's, he's running in the low four sevens. He's 225 pounds. I mean, he looks the part. Now, if you go back to 2018, when Matt Wells was there, who is now at Texas tech, I mean, he had him running a play every 16 seconds, maybe the fastest in the country, maybe Cliff Kingsbury at Texas tech, maybe ran an offense with Mahomes faster than that, but he ran an offense that was lightning fast and he was really good. And then this year, Wells left, and he had a new coach, a new system, uh, a poor supporting cast, and he played poorly. He, The 17 interceptions don't tell the story this year. I mean, a bunch of them were pick sixes. He was late on his reads to the outside. I mean, he makes the throws that he made in the NFL that he made last, last year uh, at Utah State. I mean, he's not going to see the field. Um, he'll, he'll do what uh, what we saw you know, happen in Tampa this past year, you know, so I, I don't know that he's ready to start and compete right now at the NFL level. I, he may need a full year to sit in order to really figure out if he can become, you know, truly an NFL franchise quarterback to me. And I think that's where he's at right now. I mean, I think there's a big drop off from Burr to a, and then to Justin Herbert uh, to Jordan. I mean, Jordan's got to overcome what we saw, which is on tape this past year against, look, look, I mean, Utah State is is fine, the Mountain West, but I mean, it's not playing in the SEC, where if you make those throws like he made this year, um, I mean, there's, there's just one defensive touchdown after another. But the one guy I think I keep coming back to that you have to consider is Jalen Hurts. The guy is just, what quarterback in today's game right now, Jason? gets benched in the national championship game. I think he was 25 and one as a starting quarterback at Alabama when he got benched and he had plenty of eligibility left. Not only didn't he just get on the transfer bus right away and get out of town, which he easily could have done, but he stayed and graduated and then helped them beat Georgia in the sec championship game the next year. Then he transfers wins the job easily at Oklahoma and gets him to the final four. And he, the, the guy's that he, he's the son of a coach out of Channel View, Texas, outside of Houston. He's, uh, you want that guy in your quarterback room every day. You want him running your scout team right away, competing every day. Um, I think he made incredible improvements this year at Oklahoma under Lincoln Riley. And I think he's going to make more improvements. And 
if I just throw out Russell Wilson as my comparison, I'm not being foolish. Russell Wilson is a top five quarterback in this league and has been for almost eight years now. And he's paid like it. And he's an unparalleled competitor. This guy is bigger and stronger than Russell Wilson. And he's as fast. He, He can't throw it like Russell can right now. But Russell didn't throw it like that when he first came uh, to Seattle in 2012, he, he's gotten better over the years, but he has the same ability to escape, to extend, to look down the field, to find open receivers. I, I think this guy is going to end up being a starting quarterback in the NFL. Well, that's a great endorsement by you, Baldy. And it's, and it's, it's very crazy when you look at the NFL since 2000, only one quarterback drafted in the top five in the NFL draft started in and won a Super Bowl. And that's, of course, Eli Manning. Crazy. That, that's an unbelievable stat when you consider some wow. of the pedigree of quarterbacks that have gone at the top of the draft. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's a, it, it is an eye opening stat. Of course, Patrick Mahomes is picked number 10, you know, and he just won. So um, there are first round picks, obviously, they would have done it. But, um, but yeah, top five picks. And, and that's what you're looking at. You know, can you turn your franchise around, be that franchise quarterback and win Super Bowls? And so, uh, obviously, Carson Wentz got the Eagles pretty far that year, but it was Nick Foles, of course, who brought the, you know, the, the bacon home for the Eagles. Yeah, and Goff got, got his team to the Super Bowl, but unfortunately yeah. didn't win it for them. Uh, let's move to the wide receiver position. Boy, I'm intrigued by this class of wide receivers. And, you know, it's speed, speed, speed. That's the, the catch word now uh, for everybody in the NFL. They want speed. There's a lot of speed in this draft. You alluded to it when talking about, uh, you know, some of these other players, the quarterback position. But let's go into the receiver class. Lamb, Judy, or Ruggs, who's going to be drafted first? And will it be because, you know, when you look at these receivers in the depth, Baldy, uh, are they going to be taken because one's pseudo better than the other, or is this a fit scenario? I think it's fit. It's, uh, you know, I think it's your own personal taste. I can make a case for Lamb, Judy, or Ruggs, any three of those guys to be the first wide receiver taken. You know, I was doing some research yesterday. I was, I was looking at Devontae Adams, who's the Pro Bowl receiver of the Green Bay Packers. You know, in 2014, he was the ninth receiver taken in the draft. Now, that was Sammy Watkins and Mike Evans and Odell Beckham Jr. and Brandon Cooks. It was a pretty good receiving uh, class just in the first round. He was the 53rd player taken. He ran a he ran a 4-5-6-40, which is like, I mean, it is exceedingly slow by today's standards and by the standards of the receivers that we have in this draft. Yet he is an elite player. And when you watch Devontae Adams, there's nothing he can't do. He can stack Richard Sherman in an NFC championship game. If it's fourth and four with the division on the line, um, Aaron Rodgers is telling his coach, I'm going to Devontae Adams. He's going to win. If it's you got to finish out a game, um, you need one more first down, the ball's going to Devontae Adams. I mean, so my point is you can look at all these guys, and it is a deep draft. But who's going to develop? Who's going to learn how to run routes, win games, win one-on-ones, win the trust of a quarterback, um, invent routes? You know, who is going to make that type of development? Because all these guys have pretty good skills right now. Um, But I don't know that any of them right now, any of them can just come in there and become the number one wide receiver right away. When we just don't see guys come in and do that. Now, Odell was, was really good, and Mike Evans came on pretty fast. Um, you know, he's been a really good player, but they haven't gotten to the postseason. We don't know what he's going to be like in January or February. So 
that's that's how I want to start this thing. But I think right now that C.D. Lamb looks like a guy that, you know, caught passes from Baker, caught passes from Kyler, caught passes from Jalen Hurts. I mean, you know, I think all those guys would endorse C.D. Lamb right now as a guy that can get deep. You know, the reason why some people don't have him as number one wide receiver is, you know, when he when he went to the combine, you know, he, he didn't blow people away. Uh, quite frankly, I mean, when he when he ran, I mean, he I think he ran a four five zero, which is still fast. He had a one four six ten split, which is highly competitive, but it, it's not in the four threes or four fours. But it's a lot more than that. It's, you know, he he consistently gets deep, you know, and so I think Jerry Judy is is right there as a polished player. He can play in the slot. He can play outside. Um, he's played in a big time system. He's been basically the number one wide receiver with Tua over the last three years. But my favorite player at this position is Henry Ruggs because he's more than just 4-2-7, Jason. I saw him catch 40 balls this year. I saw him drop one. He's got good hands. He's strong. He's he's ex- exceedingly tough. I think that uh, he's a good wide receiver coach is going to really teach him how to use that speed, how to change speeds, how to learn how to – uh, accelerate, slow down, um, you know, sep- learn when to separate, how to use head and shoulder fakes. I mean, I think some of that stuff is still uh, there to be learned, but I don't think that you can teach 427. I, I think this guy, there's all kinds of different ways, whether it's the fly sweeps or the jet screens, or, there's all kinds of ways to put the ball in his hands right now um, that can literally change the game in one play. And then the best route runner in this whole draft is Justin Jefferson at uh, LSU. He runs in the four fours. Um, he can play inside like he did last year. This year he caught 111 balls from Joe Burrow this year. Uh, off the chart production. But he played outside in the years before. Um, I, I mean, I wouldn't sleep on Justin Jefferson. I mean, he is a fantastic player and worthy of a top 15 pick right now if, the, if there's an early run on these receivers. Baldy, one of the areas I know you love to break down, I watch Baldy's breakdown on Twitter nonstop, and I, I love your breakdown of offensive linemen. Now, you're a former lineman. You, know, you, you have that mindset. I think the offensive linemen in football are, are the guys that can translate the game the best because, it's as, as Andy Reid always said, it starts up front, right? So I, I want to get your look at the offensive linemen in this class because – you know, great quarterbacks, you know, that's great. But if you can't protect your quarterback, it doesn't matter. Great wide receivers, it's great. But if they can't get protection and get down the field and get open, it doesn't matter. So let's look at the offensive linemen in this draft. Who excites you the most? Uh, you know, let's look at the guy's hands or footwork. Who's ready to play now? And where does uh, that, that those offensive linemen land here at the top of this draft? There's three guys that really excite me that I think are day one starters that have um, really – the ability to anchor an offensive line. It starts with, with Makai uh, Becton at Louisville. I mean, he's been a three-year starter. There's just not many guys that are 6'8", that 364 pounds, that can run like he does. When you watch him, he's on his feet. He's not on the ground. He's not sloppy. Um, I think he's only 20 years old. I think he's going to get a lot better. But I think he's the one true left tackle that I think can step in right now and – anchor your offensive line. I like big people. I like big people in my huddle. I like big people in my football team. I like big people going through the airports. Um, he's massive, but he can move. And there's, it's just hard to find bad tape on him. 
It's hard to find where somebody, you know, got around him or beat him. You just don't see it very often. Uh, Jedrick Wills at Alabama, been a two-year starter, I think 25 straight starts for for the Crimson Tide. Uh, he is he, he's an anchor. Now, I don't know that he can just go over and play left tackle, but I know he can start at right tackle for probably half the teams in the NFL right now, if not more. And if you're a needy team right now, say like the Jets or the Giants, and you need a, a right tackle, I mean, to me, Jedrick Wills could step into both those franchises right now, amongst others, and start right away and improve your team and make your quarterback better. Tristan Wirfs is an incredible talent. I mean, maybe Lane Johnson tested better um, on the offensive line than Tristan Wirfs did in 2013 coming out of Oklahoma. But this guy, Wirfs, started day one at Oklahoma or for at Iowa for Kirk Ferentz. He's the only offensive lineman, and that's Brandon Sheriff, a whole bunch of guys over the last 22 years uh, for uh, Kirk Ferentz, who also was an offensive line coach in the NFL for the Baltimore Ravens, uh, their first offensive line coach. He knows offensive linemen. He's the only guy to start as an 18-year-old freshman. You go up and watch him his freshman year against Nick Boza. He handled him just fine. Um, he's been a right tackle, mostly has played some left tackle. I think he can be like Brandon Sheriff and be a, a Pro Bowl guard. I think he can be a Pro Bowl tackle. I think he can play right side. I think he can play left side. He's got some he, – he, he has the ability – he does get beat inside. He does get overextended. Um, that's not unusual when guys are trying to kill people. Uh, you know, you got to learn how to kind of pick your battles, when to attack and when to play a little bit more defensive-minded at that position. He needs to be coached, but I believe he can be coached. Uh, Andrew Thomas is an elite talent at Georgia. I just think he's got sloppy footwork uh, that needs to be cleaned up. And I haven't seen it yet. I mean, he's been a three-year starter. I got to see him clean it up. I mean, he gets by with it because he's a great athlete. But you can't get by against Nick Bosa with bad footwork. You can't get by against elite players in this business with bad footwork. It's it's gonna it's gonna cost you. Um, Austin Jackson at USC is a really good football player. Um, he's gonna be he's gonna get drafted in the first round. Uh, he may start as a first round left tackle in the NFL. He's been a left tackle at USC in a pro style offense. Um, there's, but there's a lot of other guys. Ezra Cleveland is a really good football player at Boise State. Joshua Jones at Houston started for four years at Houston. Um, Lucas Niang. I mean, if you look at, I don't know that anybody's putting out offensive linemen like TCU is over the last few years. I mean, Marcus Cannon has been a starter in the, in the Super Bowl. Uh, Halapulavate Vitae has started in the Super Bowl. Uh, Matt Pryor is starting for the Philadelphia Eagles at guard in the playoff game. I mean, this this guy, Lucas Niang, has all the size you need to be a starting right tackle in this league. I mean, I think there's a lot of depth at the offensive tackle position in this draft. Baldy, when you look at a guy like Nick Harris out of Washington, he doesn't have that size of a traditional long offensive lineman, you know, 6'4", 6'5", 6'6", 6'7". He's 6'1". Uh, Four-year starter out there. What, what do you see in Nick Harris of Washington? I think you have to, you know, you got to put him inside, and, and that's where you got to play him. You know, and so that's that's the first thing you got to be able to do is, you know, move them where it belongs and then, you know, go from there. But it's hard to play in this in this league at that size right now. He's not he's not that strong for a guy that, you know, has pretty short arms right now. 
Um, you know, you, you might be able to play him at center. Um, that's kind of where guys that size go. I don't think you could play at guard. I mean, if you look at guards in this league right now, um, you're going up against 330 and 340 pounds. You're going up against Fletcher Cox. You know, those type of players. I mean, if you're that size inside, you simply are going to have a hard time competing. If you go to all the way to center and you're going up against even fronts, meaning you're not covered by, uh, you know, by a, a nose tackle for large parts of the game, you might be able to get away with it with good movement. He moves well. You know, he ran a, a 5-140, I think, you know, at the combine, which is fine. It's not elite by any stretch. But I think that's where you're looking at. I think, you know, in this draft, uh, I, I, I don't see him, you know, being taken. I, I don't see him getting taken even in maybe on the third day right now. Baldy, let's, uh, let's move to the running backs because we've seen over the past yeah, bunch of years, really, We've seen some high-profile running backs go early in NFL drafts. We mentioned Saquon Barkley in the last episode with Charles Davis. Um, this draft, we're likely, maybe, you, know, you never know, but likely maybe to only see one running back taken in the first round. Is that DeAndre Swift? Is that Jonathan Taylor out of Wisconsin? You got J.K. Dobbins, uh, who had a nice career at Ohio State, Cam Akers from Florida State. How do you see the running back field breaking out? Is there only one taken in the first round? Well, I think DeAndre Swift is a first-round pick. I mean, you uh... You know, there's so much good tape on him. And then I think what really happened was when he went to the combine and he busted out a 4-4-8-40, you know, at, uh, you know, 212 or 213 pounds, whatever it was. I mean, he, you know, combined that running and his, you know, breakaway speed. I mean, I think he makes he makes himself a number one pick. But, man, this J.K. Dobbins is some football player. Mm-hmm. He's from a small town in Texas. I mean, there's so much to love about him. He goes to, he goes to Columbus, you know, out of a small town and he starts day one. And the only thing that really remains that is a question mark about him is what is his speed? Is he, I don't think it's, it's a, it separates him from the first round, but I mean, I think he was in the four fours coming out of high school. I don't imagine he's gotten any slower, but it's not professionally timed, but if he ran like Swift did, I mean, I think he's a first round pick. His production was off the charts. He catches the ball. He caught 71 balls at Ohio State. Um, there's nothing he can't do. He is uh, he is compact. He is powerful. He's you know he's he's right there with a lot of the great running backs in the history of the game at just over five nine. He's 210 pounds. Um, I think he can definitely be a first round pick, and I believe he will be at the top of the first round. I think you know the Kansas City Chiefs could be a team that could take a guy like him. Nothing against what Damian Williams did. He was really good for him. But I can see the Chiefs at 32, you know, taking a, a guy like Dobbins. Jonathan Taylor has first-round talent. Um, he's just got a 1,000 touches in him at Wisconsin. I mean, he's there's a bunch of tread off the tire. We all know that these guys all start to fade after a certain amount of hits and touches. And these, these touches at Wisconsin are between the tackles. That's how they run. That's how he runs. But I think he's a, a solid top of the second-round pick. Um, as is Clyde Edwards-Alaire out of LSU. I mean, I think both those guys, uh, and along with Cam Akers of Florida State who played on a dreadful offensive team and behind a dreadful offensive line, I think all three of those guys are at the top of the second round. And that's not unusual. You know, we, we see Derrick Henry as a second-round pick. We, You know, we see Nick Chubb as a second-round pick. We see Shady McCoy as a second-round pick. I mean, this is where a lot of these guys end up going. 
And I think that's what you're going to get with a lot of these running backs, maybe Dobbins too. I think, you know, they're, they all have kind of first round talent in production, but I think they're all going to probably end up in the, in the top half of the second round. You know, it's interesting, Baldy, because so, like you alluded to, so many great running backs come out of that first round or out of that second round, and, and you just listed off a bunch of them. Um, when you're looking at this running back class and that value you get in the second round, you can get it in the third round as well. Is, is there a sleeper in this running back field? You go, man, this guy, he, he was a good college player. Maybe he didn't test out well, and he's not high in, on you know everybody's draft rankings. But when he gets to the NFL, if he gets put in the right offense in the right situation, he's going to be a really good NFL running back. Well, I think Darrington Evans is, you know, at Appalachian State. I mean, this kid busted a 4-4-40. You can see the breakaway speed and the explosion. Um, you know, he's not he's not the biggest guy or anything like that. But I think when you watch him and you study him and you go, okay, um, you know, is is he is he going to be durable? Well, I mean, I. You can say that about every running back, but I, I think Evans is going to be a player that, you know, people are, are certainly looking at. And I don't know if right now he's a, a third round pick, you know, where he's where he's going to get grouped. But, you know, I, I think when you watch him and you you really kind of study his movement, I mean, I, I, I just think that you you have to he's, he's going to get taken and. I think that, you know, he's a Florida kid. You know, he's got tremendous speed. He was really kind of this this year he started all 14 games. And, um, you know, he did a, did a great job of taking care of the football. He doesn't have a fumbling problem, doesn't lay the ball on the ground. I mean, he looks like a third-round pick to me. That's going to be a good change of pace back. Um, the way that we saw uh, the kid out of Florida Atlantic last year go to Buffalo and, you know, became the starting running back there. Uh, I think he has that type of ability right now. Yeah, you see guys like Dalvin Cook taken in the second round and come in and be uh, a threat immediately. Is there a position uh, coming out of a draft that where a rookie can can have an impact more than at the running back position in, in his first year in the NFL? Well, I think, you know, receivers. I mean, you, you know, you come in and, and impact. I think there was – you could look at 20 different receivers in the NFL last year, um, you know, from Debo Samuel to A.J. Brown. I mean, you just go through the list of receivers – that really made a significant contribution on football teams last year. You go receivers can step in. They don't necessarily have to be a number one and catching 70 balls right away, but you know, they can step in and have a role. I mean, we saw Dio Samuel just get better and better and, and make a more and more of an impact for the 49ers as the season went on. And I think receivers and running backs right now, you know, have that ability. Yeah, no question. Baldy, let's let's move to the tight end position as we keep previewing the offensive side of this NFL draft be a week from today. Uh, tight end in the NFL, it, it's God, it's a fun position to watch now. We've had some great ones coming in the last bunch of years. We've had some leave the game in Gronkowski as well. Uh, but let's look at the tight end class here. Who do you like in the tight ends? And uh, maybe a sleeper or two here, uh, a guy that is really just built for the NFL game and going to really bust out when he gets to that level. Well, I think you, you got to start with, you know, Notre Dame's uh, Cole Komet. Um, he had a great season this year, missed a couple of games with the broken collarbone to kind of, um, you know, start start the season. But he finished really, really strong. And, you know, he's got he's got all this, you know, he's got the requisite size. Um, he runs really well. Um, I, I think he'll probably be the first tight end off the board right now. Um 
He had he had six touchdowns, you know, for the Fighting Irish this year. I think he I think he's probably I don't know that any of them are going to be first round picks. To be honest with you, right now, he might be able to sneak in there a little bit. I think Harrison Bryant at Florida Atlantic has an opportunity. He started 35 games for Lane Kiffin there at Florida Atlantic on the mean streets of Boca Raton, Florida. Um, you know, he, he he tested he tested really really well. Um, he's not the biggest guy. He's only like 200 and you know 42 pounds or something like that. But you know, he did start 35 games. Uh, you know, he was a defensive player coming out of high school. Uh, he played offensive tackle in high school. He was a basketball player. Like, you know, he's a he's a well-rounded athlete. He won the John Mackey Award for whatever that's worth as the best tight end in the nation. He might be the the best tight end um, right now coming out. We got to kind of see. He might be the first guy taken. There's a chance there. You know, Washington's got another Bryant, uh, Hunter Bryant, that has a real chance right now when you watch him and you look at, you know, he's, he's kind of a smaller guy, uh, kind of like a Jordan Reed type player, um, kind of a pumped up wide receiver. He's only, I think, six foot two or so. But, you know, he caught he caught over 50 balls this year. He averaged over 16 yards a catch. Um, I think he can, you know, detach and play that slot, you know, wide receiver position. So I think there's there's a chance there for for Hunter Bryant. Um, you know, I think that if you go to uh, Purdue right now and you look at Hopkins and what he did, uh, you know, kind of a, a rebuilt offense over the last two seasons, I think he really, you know, took a – you know, his father obviously played, you know, tackle for the Tennessee Titans, Brad Hopkins. But, you know, so he's got some genetics on his side. But I thought he really stepped up for Purdue this year. He had seven touchdown catches in the Big Ten. And I think, you know, I think that Bryce Hopkins is a guy that, you know, really has a chance right now. If, you, if you're looking for a guy that can really come in, um, you know, he ran in the four sixties. He's got really good speed. I think that Bryce Hopkins is a guy that uh, probably, I'm guessing, in the third round, that you might be able to find yourself a good football player that, you know, can make a real contribution. Well, a guy that intrigues me at the tight end position is Adam, Adam Trapman out of Dayton. Uh, 23 touches in his last two years, 14 in his senior season, 70 catches, 916 yards. Uh, how do you think his game coming out of Dayton translates into the NFL? I think we've gotten to the point where, because he played at Dayton, you know, that you can't really – be all that concerned. I mean, the town, the size is there, you know, I mean, he's six, five, he's, he's 200 and, you know, 55 pounds. He played well in the senior bowl. He competed really, really well. Um, you know, there's, I mean, he, he, he was a four-year starter at Dayton. There's plenty of tape on him, you know, I mean, 39 starts is 39 starts, 31 touchdowns and 39 starts. Um, I think it translates well. I, you know, He's got everything it takes, I, I think, right now. I think the, the worst coach position in the NFL is a tight end position because you kind of group these guys into guys that can block or you can't block, and that's where it starts. And they're either receivers or they're not. And there's just no reason why um, you can't become a, an adequate blocker in this business. Some guys just refuse to do it. They say you can't honor two gods. Um, and so I think a guy like you know Adam Trotman can become – a serviceable blocker, an end-of-the-line tight end. And I think he's got the size. And it's just a question, you know, right now, does he want to be able to do it? You know, is he going to 
work on his strength? Is he going to work on his hands? Is he going to work on his blocking? If he does, I think he can become an every-down tight end in the league. Baldy, um, when you look at this this draft from an offensive standpoint, just the offensive side of the ball, a lot of the players we just talked about, how do you grade the pedigree of this entire class? Well, you kind of you know want to say, all right, who are you know who's going to be Pro Bowl players? How many Pro Bowl players are you going to get out of this offensive class? And then if you look down the road, how many of these guys are going to be Hall of Fame players? You know, if you go back to 1996 the first year the Ravens are in Baltimore. They have two first-round picks in Jonathan Ogden and Ray Lewis. I mean, you know, they have two Hall of Fame players in one draft class. I don't, you know, I, I don't see, I don't see that type of, I don't see a left tackle like that, um, you know, in this, in this business. I mean, Walter Jones, Jason Peters, um, Jonathan Ogden, I don't see a left tackle of that caliber right now. But I see... Pro Bowl players, I think there's three or four Pro Bowl offensive tackles in this draft. Um, wide receivers, um, you know, we had Charles Davis on. I mean, I don't know that Julio Jones or A.J. Green is in this draft. Uh, but that being said, I think there's a bunch of really good wide receivers that can make a lot of Pro Bowls. Um, and I think at running back, I think there's, there's two or three really good backs in this draft in Swift and Dobbins and Taylor uh, and maybe acres. So because of his burst and then, you know, look, let's see, let's see what Joe Burrow can do. Can Joe, if Joe Burrow turns around the Cincinnati Bengals and they become a playoff team, like they were with Andy Dalton, where he went to the playoffs five years in a row and they won the division a bunch of years. If he can turn that franchise around, I mean, he's going to basically put the stamp on this draft. I just don't see that the elite, top-end talent in this offensive class that we have seen in past. All right, well, we'll find out if that uh, talent uh, is on the defensive side of the ball in the next episode. You know, it's interesting, uh, that that draft you talk about, 96, I think that was where Keyshawn went number one. It's yeah. also where tremendous value was taken by the Eagles at 61 when they drafted the Hall of Famer Brian Dawkins in that draft out of Clemson. Yep, yep, you can round. get that value. Yeah, it's just good drafting, and you, you got to find that talent, and we'll see who's able to find the Nuggets and the Legends and the next Hall of Famers in the uh, 2020 virtual NFL draft, which is going to take place a week from today. Next episode, Baldy Episode 9, we're going to break down that defensive side of the ball, another episode of Baldy's Breakdowns. If you missed any of our past episodes, including uh, episode number 7 with Charles Davis, check that out. It's uh, right there on your iTunes or wherever you consume Baldy's Breakdowns podcast, radio.com as well. That puts a, a bow on this one, Baldy. We'll uh, get to the defensive side of the ball in the next one as the countdown to the 2020 NFL Draft continues. I look forward to it, Jason. Thanks for listening, everybody. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or... I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? 
Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 